What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and we're back on a special episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by someone I've listened to on several road trips as I go through Gilmore Girls episodes. Uh, it's Kevin Porter. Kevin, good morning. Your time. Good morning, my time. Yes, and good afternoon, your time. Good evening. <laughs> uh, I am excited that you're here, man. Uh, how is uh, how is everything going with you uh, in quarantine? What is uh, what is the day in the life right now for Kevin Porter? Oh, it, it is as we were discussing pre uh, recording and on mic, just absolutely thriving every second of the day. I've never been more in shape. I've never eaten healthier. My relationships are better than they've ever been in my professional life is stellar (laughs) truthfully i it is funny because i think a lot of podcast life stuff anyway is sort of inventing your own structure anything that um resembles something not a nine to five or more like an independent contractor so for some of us we were okay at this before we did have some of the same tools and the kind of skill set to okay well i have to invent structure i'm not going into the office today because there's no office to go into so when the world kind of got to that same place as well it was like the world was catching up with us um so i feel okay with it i feel like i've been able to cope better than maybe some people i know which is not to say that i'm better at anything but just that i was built differently and i think i just have different coping mechanisms in particular i feel more comforted by like i said creating my own structure and and even having things like regular rhythms of i wake up i go running for maybe about an hour, I come back, I shower, I bake. Uh, I've been getting into baking a lot in quarantine. Not just your breads and stuff, not just <laughs> your regular basic sourdough, like all the Tom, Dick, and Janes on the block. Wait, what are, what are you into, baking? I'm, I'm trying to get into, like, uh, you know, the other day I made... A bunch of vanilla cupcakes with homemade buttercream frosting for a friend of mine's birthday. I made a couple okay. dozen of those. Um, some mini cupcakes. Um, I, I made my first red velvet with cream cheese filling cookie. Uh, that was the size of one of those that you would buy for like $4 at a pastry bake uh, a bake case at your local coffee shop. So I've been trying to get a little more gourmet with it. I have the time. And baking is fun. It's like... It's creative, but it's not that creative. You can kind of zone out. It's like playing chess with your friend when you hang. Out. It's <laughs> like you're talking, but you're also you're playing a game. Oh, so you're not baking alone. You're baking with someone else. No, I am baking alone. To be clear, I am. <laughs> this is just by myself. I'm just saying I can I can multitask and I can talk on the phone when I mm-hmm. when I bake. I could be talking on the phone. I could be baking right now. I'm not, so I can give all of my attention to this wonderful podcast. But I could be. I could be. I'm not a multitasker. Are you a good multitasker? I I can't. I can't do that. 
I, it depends on what the tasks are, but I feel like I've gotten better at it uh, during quarantine, especially like even making the transition from going pretty hard on FaceTime and Zoom in mm-hmm. the beginning months and now switching over to phone. Switching over the phone, I feel like Superman. I feel like I can do literally anything while I'm talking to someone on the phone because I'm not as concerned with my listening face and so it kind of frees me up a little bit this is why i always decline zoom interviews and stuff like that where i i don't have any interest in just being watched and having to just be on for hours at a time i don't want i i'm a uh introvert uh to an unreal degree that people misunderstand because i host a podcast where i talk to people every day and talk to strangers Mm -hmm. it's uh larry david has a whole thing about um on Kerberi's like I think the the actual line is just that like uh I talking to people I know sucks but talking to strangers is easy and that's how it, I I think um a lot of the times so it's just like oh it's fun and talking to people I don't really know is uh, is a lot easier for me but also just like having someone look at me as I'm recording and having to just I, I i think about how i come off and whether or not they're like is he really listening what where is he looking why is his eyes looking at because i'm not a good eye contact person at all that is mm-hmm. i've always been really bad at that um not a good eye contact person so zoom and all that uh it's it's actually bad is my my take my spicy take for you oh yeah it's actually bad yeah i think ever everyone's everyone's experienced some measure of zoom burnout by now i I think there's pros and cons i mean especially with doing a show and even doing podcast stuff right now over zoom there's pros and cons to to doing video versus not doing video i think you can get something started there can be maybe some more potential for chemistry over the video than maybe there would be um via just phone but and especially when it's a group and like one-on-one i suppose it is easier to to do just fun stuff but but for group stuff if it's, if it's more than two people then i i would go video just because you you want to read people's facial cues when they want to speak or they're about to but yeah maybe that's just me <laughs> um what is the weirdest thing you've learned about yourself in quarantine Oh, that's an interesting question because yeah, everyone's just taking a lot of time to re- reflect yeah. upon themselves. I I think I think honestly maybe going back to what I said before of oh, I feel like I have pretty okay coping mechanisms cuz I don't think of myself basically as a strong person or a resilient person, but it's it's almost by comparison I'm like oh, I'm doing all right. Like uh, you know, not even to, to say nothing of like people with less privilege in the world, but but then also just peers of mine and friends of mine who are handling it a different way. I feel like it's been fun for me to try to get creative with uh, how to fill day-to-day life and, and how to deal with it. And not just and not just merely survive during this time, but find ways for life to keep continuing and, and going in meaningful ways. I feel like I've been shocked at my ability and capacity to do that. I think some parts of quarantine are fun or easy for me, which is so insane to say, but but parts of it are. It's like I would rather it not be so, you know, for all of us in life right now. But but I am surprised at how I think well I'm handling a lot of this stuff. I think I I do have a little more skill set for coping than I thought I did. Interesting. Interesting. Um, do you miss doing Gilmore guys? 
Do I miss doing Gil? Mm, that's interesting. I, I miss hanging out with Demi that regularly, my co-host on that show. Or, I mean, and we still hang out and talk pretty much every other day or, or if not that, at least every week. But I, and I miss like spending that time with him and doing something creative with him. As far as doing Gilmore guys in particular, I don't think I miss it because uh, there's nothing to miss now. Cause it's done. I miss, I miss that particular space in those particular people that we got to talk to, but uh, there's nothing I miss about doing a, a recap show of that TV show. On a weekly basis. Really? I miss the guests that we talked to. Not really. No, I miss the guests that we talked to, and I miss my co-host, which is weird because he, he's my friend, so I can talk to him anytime. But I do miss doing some of that stuff with him. Um, but no, as far as like the show itself, I get. I guess I miss doing those live shows. A lot of those live shows were really fun that we got to do, uh, especially like in the last you know, a couple months or year, the last year of the show, those were super fun in 2016 when we got to go to places like Chicago or the ones we had in Toronto or New York City. Those, those were really special to me. But but as far as like the actual grind of it, and especially um, considering the fact that we were putting out two a week for a long time, I don't miss that part of it, no. Hmm. I could see that. I mean, I'm it's doing... a loaded question, though. Yeah, that's it. That's an interesting. I've never thought about like, do I miss doing that show? I just, I just took it for granted that there would be something to miss. You know, that's why they, uh, they call me a capital J journalist, uh, Kevin. I, I asked. The yeah, good yeah, question. yeah. It, it, it's you and Charlie Rose. Um, well, not Charlie and the Rose. P- Comparison hey, beginning. Let's not. And uh, there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cut that part. Um, most surprising thing that uh, about Demi that people wouldn't guess. Most surprising thing about Demi? Oh, I don't know. I think I think a lot of him is surprising. Mm. I think I think uh, uh, yeah, you know, here's one. It's not it's not that salacious. He loves math. He loves doing math. He handled so much of our merch store stuff, and he got actually jazzed about spreadsheets and equations and i think and i think he said this uh publicly himself before if he wasn't doing what he does for a living comedy then i think he would be a math teacher interesting that okay huh because usually people don't like my mom's an accountant and I i love my mother to death but i wouldn't say she's like one step away from being a stand up comic i i don't I don't think those things I have ever thought go hand in hand. You usually think that's one side of your brain versus the other, but uh, he can do both. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and he loves it. He really does. I I can't express, even like, there was some part of, it was like a couple of months ago where I was watching him write a whole social network-esque equation on his window in, in, uh, in his apartment because he was trying to figure out Something about the months of quarantine. I forget what it was, but he just loves that stuff. He loves it. This is why he loves, do you remember September? He loves math and he loves dates, which are actually- And there's a number in it. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, now we're getting to the bottom of all of this. We're getting to the bottom of this. Um, If you weren't doing what you you do every day, what 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 would be your most normal job? What would you do? I would be a math teacher. No, <laughs> can you imagine? If I just cribbed his answer. Uh, I I think 
I, I've thought about this a little bit, especially as we all have during quarantine of like, oh, is this it? Is this my life? And the answer is yes and no, I guess, because this won't be the rest of your life, but this is your life as it's happening. And just the sense of, okay, well, what if, what if, what if? And I I keep going to social work as a as a vocation. Hmm. That's that that seems like really hard and noble and um it's very interesting hard. and and but helpful and mm. impactful upon like fundamental building blocks of society of children of family um so that or maybe like a marriage and family therapist i think maybe one of those the one of those two tracks would be appealing to me mm. fuck man i i i couldn't do either of those i i don't have i i wouldn't i'd just be bummed out all the time it's really sad like i worked in pr for a nonprofit and uh worked with a lot of social workers and man it's just that is a tough tough job um i don't know you got to be a special kind of person to be able to do that and i am not that person um what was your favorite episode on the gilmore girls today what is still your favorite episode oh the actual tv show mm-hmm. and then you can actually you can do tv show and the podcast you know i uh, the, the one that first comes to mind for whatever reason, is the the they shoot Gilmore's, don't they? The danceathon from season three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean to be to be frank, I have not watched Gilmore Girls in years at this point. What like, the it's not fuck? Something I've, that is your one I, requirement. I Check in once a year. So if you ever do podcasts and they ask you about it, that you're ready to go, that you're still uh, acclimated in the Gilmore Girls scene, you're very familiar with Stars Hollow. What the fuck, Kevin? Yeah, no, I've I've failed my one. Thing. <laughs> I, I had one job, and I've I've fallen short. So I do apologize. But yeah, I think about that episode, and and maybe that's one of my favorite episodes of the podcast too. That was very fun. We had a great guest for that, Jason Manzukis, and and yeah, that was a that I yeah, and and that's the one that's most standalone. That I think explains a lot of the appeal of the show and the kind of like high art, low art sense of stakes with it the jess and dean stuff from that episode i remember being interesting and yeah i think that's a good i think that's a good example of what that show is are you surprised that as many people like logan as they do i never really understood that i i like logan but i thought it was interesting that universally he was he was liked by everybody especially when the way he was introduced and you guys talked about it on an episode when i was driving on a road trip uh like a month and a half ago was that um the the parallels between him and Chad Michael Murray's character in season one, just to a lesser degree, and everyone hated him. But uh, I think you're pro yeah. Chad Michael Murray, weren't you? I uh, I don't recall what you our were stance very pro Tristan. I, I seem to recall you're very pro Tristan. All I remember is that we called him Chad Michael Mudface. I don't remember <laughs> anything else about our takes as far as that goes. Unfortunately, I no. I mean the the truth of it with like the reception to each character that we talked about on the show is like, I was surprised by everything. I didn't know what the, you know, I, I guess I was like, you know, I was posting about the show when I was a kid watching it, but I, I don't, I didn't have like a, a calcified take of, well, I believe everything. Everyone believes this way. What? Oh, that's not actually the case. Oh, interesting. Like I didn't, I didn't really have that uh, with the show. So, uh, so I guess at the same time, everything and nothing was surprising to me about fan reception with characters. Hmm. What was um, 
what was your favorite character? Who was your favorite character and who was your least favorite character over the years? And did this, was this common among Gilmore Guys fans who wrote into you guys and interacted with you guys? Did they agree with your sentiments? About who my favorite character was? Yeah, you and mean? who you guys didn't like and who you didn't like. I mean, my favorite character would remain to be Emily Gilmore. Yeah. On that show. I, I always found that to be one of the more fascinating performances on the show and most loaded and maybe the best actress on the show. Oh, no, that's not. I mean, they were all pretty great. But but that was the one that I was most compelled by to a large degree. That was the one that felt the most, the least TV and the most theatrical in a good way. Um, and so I was always very compelled by it. And at the end of the day, I think maybe my least favorite character was Luke. Luke, Luke wow. Didn't have that much going for me, I guess. I, I, wow. Because I um, there's the there's the least there there. I guess maybe Dean. I guess maybe Dean. If Dean it's not sucks. Luke, it's I Dean. really, really hate Dean. I've always been very anti-Dean. That kind of guy, yeah. I, I can't handle. I can't handle that kind of guy. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, and we all know this is why people respond to the show, because of those archetypes have some... Some truth from people's day to day experience lives. Um, so yeah, you know what? I'll change my answer to Dean. I'm a pushover. <laughs> Luke, I just life's been he, he's been thrown a lot. I I just one thing about Luke that scares me is that like I'm seven years away from being Luke. Like I'm a good solid. I'm 29. Like I think if you're single for that long as a guy and you're just do you're you're not really opening yourself up to to positive experience and you commit yourself to work and that's all you really do. And you're very sarcastic for 20 plus years alone. You end up being Luke. That is that is the trajectory that you go on. And uh, I am like seven years away from that. Yeah, but you know, like that is, uh, you know, if he's 36 when the show starts, that's 36 in 2000 time. What mm. 36 will be, you know, in the 2020s is going to look and feel much different than what it was 20, 20 plus years ago. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold yourself to such unfair benchmarks as that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. Did you read uh, Lauren Graham's book? Uh, I read one of them. Yeah, I think I, yes, I did. I I read, yes, I read her memoir. I did not read her novel. That's what I, I meant, the novel. Memoir. I did not read the memoir. I read the novel. Okay, well, the memoir is fun because she put out a paperback edition and then her doing our podcast and talking about us is the last part of it, which I thought was very sweet. Mm. Did you like her? She cool person? Lauren Graham? Mm. Yeah, she's the freaking bomb. <laughs> she... <laughs> She rocked. She was, you know, in, in my, you know, albeit limited experience with her, always lovely. Never not, never not great. Never not nice. Always a sweetie. Um, always, you know, like when we did our little cameo on the set, very lovely to us, lovely to us at the premiere, lovely to us recording the podcast. Always down. Always great. Yes. Interesting. Um, if I were to ask you anyone who wasn't any of those things, would you answer it on this podcast? Uh, I would, but the answer was everyone pretty much rocked. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no. Not that's much good. Here. That's a good thing that everyone's actually cool. Yeah, I, I like to hear that. I like that everyone was actually cool. Yeah, no, there were no, there were no issues with anybody. Like, there's, you know, there's people we didn't get to interview on the show, but no one, everyone was lovely to us. Like everyone, 
yeah, everyone was so sweet and 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 I think you know this is at the cusp of like what television recap podcast became and what they kind of calcified into. And I think when they reached their apotheosis on West Wing Weekly, but like I think I think it was novel for them to be getting that same level of attention again. So I think that geared them up to be quite friendly and and sweet and authentic and genuine about it. But, but also I think it felt pretty novel for them. Like, wait, you guys still care about this thing from like 20 years ago. Okay, sure. Yeah. Let's talk about it. But yeah, everyone, everyone was wonderful. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Who did you not get that you really wanted to get? Oh, you know, any of the boyfriends, because we only, we, we talked to Milo Ventimiglia who played Jess on Mm. the show. Um, but otherwise we, we didn't get to talk to Jared Padalecki and we didn't get to talk to Matt Zucri, which we would have liked to. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess them, and I, I do wish we would have gotten Edward Herman before he passed away and maybe a little more time with Kelly Bishop who played Emily on the show. Um, we, we did get her for a little bit, but would have loved a little more time. But, uh, yeah, I guess those would be the only ones. Were you surprised it blew up? And the Paladinos, I guess. What's (laughs) that? Exactly. Were you were you surprised that it became such a big thing? Or was this just like something that y'all were just like a passion project and you were like, let's see what happens? Or did you like was it just bigger than you expected it to be? Yes. The answer always to this question is everything was a surprise. Everything was a shock. Nothing was we we just weren't smart enough. We're still not smart enough in the sense of like you can't calculate that. And so much of the show was the discovery of it and the like, what are we doing and learning how to make a show while we're making a show, all that stuff. No, none of that was premeditated or anticipated. It couldn't be. And if it was, then the show wouldn't have been as good because then it would have been that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I think people would have smelled that inauthenticity from a mile away. Um, so I'm grateful for that part that we were kind of like naive with the execution of this show because it made it feel real and authentic. Fashion from this era of television that you would like to see come back in our daily lives. Uh, oh man. Well, I guess the spaghetti strap little shirts that um, <laughs> girls would wear where there'd be like a white t-shirt underneath it. <laughs> Where it's just like two thin layer. I was, you know, I was watching that movie before sunrise the other day. Oh, that's my favorite fucking trilogy. Oh my God. Kevin, you've got a lifelong spot. No one watches these movies. No one understands the Ethan Hawke. Just, oh my God. These movies, he's wearing a maroon turtleneck in this movie. It's uh, it's 10 out of 10. Oh, before sunrise. You've got me, Kevin. Yeah, and so for a lot of that fashion, I was like, you know what? This doesn't look bad now. I, I'd be down with a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's also two exceptionally attractive people wearing them, so maybe that makes a difference. But but also like, yeah, so I'll say the spaghetti strap stuff. Interesting. Okay. So so what are you up to now? What does the future hold for, for Kevin Porter? Well, uh, doing the Good Christian Fun podcast, that's a, a podcast where my co-host Caroline Ely and I talk about evangelical Christian pop culture, music, movies, entertainment made for Christian audiences, and just try to examine things of faith. We have people on who are 
Christians, who are atheists, who are agnostic, who are Jewish, who don't care, all, all of the above. Uh, and that's been a really fun way to re-examine uh, a part of our lives as like former evangelical Christians and uh, and get into the stuff of like Christian rock, Christian movies. What is a Christian movie? Is it just a movie starring Kirk Cameron? What are the qualifications for that? So I've been doing that and uh, working on a few other podcast things I can't talk about yet. Um, but yeah, just... Chugging along, again, thriving and surviving in, in global pandemic times. I like it. I like it. Um, well, Kevin, this has been great. I appreciate you giving me the time today. Um, what can we check out from you this weekend uh, in the not-too-distant future? What, what, where can you check me yes, at? Yes, exactly. Or like on, uh, on Twitter, uh, uh, where can we listen to Good Christian Fun? Where can we uh, keep up with the, all your work? Oh, G- uh, GCF is available wherever podcasts are found, and uh, you can follow me everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Kevin T. Porter, and you can uh, see what I'm up to there. All right. That sounds great. Kevin, keep up the great work, sir. Um, stay safe out there, and uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.